From Vine Pairs New York City headquarters, I'm Adam Teeter. And I'm Joanna Sherino. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Chabal. And this is the Vine Pair Podcast, Friday edition. Before we get started, this is the last call for cocktails for the Remy Martin Bartender Cocktail Competition. Literally due today, if you're listening to this on the Friday, get your submissions in. Last call, ladies and gentlemen. Bartenders, get them in. We are looking for sidecar riffs, your best sidecar riff. And guess what? If you are one of the five selected by a panel of esteemed judges, you are going to be flown to New York City. All expenses paid. You're going to compete against four other top bartenders for a chance to go to France and compete and represent the United States. I mean, what better honor could that be than representing your country as you compete to see who has the best sidecar sidecar riff out there? Guys, I just, I can't wait for you to enter. I'm so excited for you. I'm just so excited for you. So if you are interested, head to vinepair.com slash Remy dash Martin dash BTA dash cocktail dash competition dash 2022. Or just, you know, read the link in the show notes. I expect to see all of you entering. If not, I'm going to be very disappointed and you don't want me to be disappointed. So enter this competition. It's going to be awesome. Really excited about it. It's our second year producing it with Remy. Amazing cognac. We've had amazing talent compete in the past. Can't wait to see you compete as well. And, you know, you get to meet all of us because we're going to fly you here. The whole Vine Pure crew is going to be there. I mean, what better reward is there than that? And now to our Friday episode. Bourbon. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness you don't need a hype man, Adam. You know. You are your own hype man. Isn't it great? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> You're never going to be lonely. Zach <laughs> <laughs> is just sitting there silently under there and like. <sighs> so, I've just so been, I've lived it for month. so long. I, I'm just, it, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm used to it. It's true. So this is the end of bourbon month, um, which is the month we usually designate to kick off the bourbon season, the best season, mm-hmm. the fall. Wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. You've been all over the place yeah. on what the best season is here, yep. man. You, you know I what? Heard it. You I know heard what? It. You know what? I can change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's another top season. It's a top. It's a top tier season. Yep. Yeah, okay. top tier season. It's in the top half of seasons, great. Yeah, I would say it's in the top half. <laughs> no, you know, it's a top half season. It's a it's great big season. honors. Also, spring. Congrats, fall. Just no one likes deep winter. No, <laughs> <laughs> we don't like deep winter. Like January, like late January, February. <laughs> Ugh. But anyways, we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about fall fuckers and put a put a gourd on it. <laughs> so that yeah. means it's <laughs> decorative gourd season. It is decorative it's what you gourd mean. season. It is time to go. <laughs> I was just at the farmer's market recently, hanging out, buying gourds. Nice. Just getting real excited, getting real amped, <laughs> looking at all my basic millennials on the street. Just, you know, being like, what up? You got a pumpkin spice latte? Yep, they do too. I don't because those things are gross. But uh, most people love pumpkin spice lattes and they love bourbon. And so we're going to talk about the future of bourbon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it seems like bourbon spike pumpkin I mean, spice lattes are the future. That's what Adam had three of before we yeah. recorded this podcast, apparently. Yeah. So, no, but bourbon just, you know, has no signs of stopping. And one of the things we want to talk about, though, is sort of the evolution of bourbon. So there's a lot of stuff happening in the world of bourbon. And we published a really uh, unique story by Aaron Goldfarb about sort of these 
pastry style esque flavors coming to the world of bourbon. So, Jenny, you want to summarize that for us, and then we can talk a little bit about you know where we we think bourbon is headed. Sure. So the the story talks about the kind of pastry craze that we saw in craft beer. I don't know, maybe starting a decade ago. That's kind of reached a fever pitch now that um, we are now seeing in the bourbon and whiskey space. Um, you know, strawberry and cocoa and cherry and, mm-hmm. and different um, dessert forward flavors making their way into bourbon um, and kind of the varying responses to to, <laughs> to that happening um, for some very serious bourbon people. Maybe it's not such a great thing, mm-hmm. um, but for others who maybe don't like how whiskey tastes without it. Um, it's an interesting development for people kind of entering the category. Hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I think I, I think people make some interesting uh, points in the article like, okay, if, if you like a specific type of bourbon, then drink that bourbon. If you yeah. take it so seriously, then drink that bourbon. Nobody's asking you to have this, you know, cherry cask bourbon or with cocoa notes and coffee notes and things like that. Um, but you can leave that to the people who want to explore the space. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like that's a really great response. I feel the same way about like wine and beer too. Like I this mean, idea, right? Yeah, yeah. Like if, if someone, someone wants to try a red wine age in like bourbon barrels, like let them try it. It's not for me, but it's probably for, it's for other people. You know what I mean? Like, you know, there is no one right or wrong way here. And if, if the, if the distiller or blender wants to mess around and play and create and see what they can do while still being able to call the bourbon bourbon, mm-hmm. right? So they're staying within the they're they're playing within the rules, right? right? It's still a bourbon. They're just then finishing it in different casks and you know trying to see what they can get out of it. I mean, to be very honest, like that's basically what Boss Hog is, yeah. right? Boss Hog is like the most expensive whistle pig, like. Boss Hog is whistle pig that then they take and they put in like the craziest casks Mm -hmm. to get flavor that basically makes the whiskey at the end of the day taste like it has had additives added to it when it hasn't. I mean, I remember when I tasted it for the first time a few years ago, it's a rye, right? So it's not a bourbon, but I, Josh and I were convinced there must have been like cocoa nibs added and Mm -hmm. coconut and, you know, some kind of cherry and no, it was all the casks they chose to use to finish it. And Good for them. Like, that's super cool. And people are willing to pay hundreds of dollars for that bottle. So if bourbon, you know, producers are playing around with it, I think that that's really cool. Yeah, and I think it's also important to remember that, like, this stuff, the the sort of really wild stuff that uh, Aaron describes in the piece is so small in terms of its production. It Like, people oh, who yeah. are, like, yeah. you know, like, you know, concern trolling about, like, well, what about bourbon? Like, it, concern <laughs> trolling. I've never heard that I before. Like that. I like oh, that. Yeah. I, to me, to me, like being concerned about this is like, you're not, you can't possibly be serious. Uh, at least I don't think so. Right. Because like in the end, like there's no real, it's not like the big, you know, bourbon distilleries in Kentucky or wherever are like, oh, we're shifting all of our production to like these hyper sweet dessert focused styles. Like right. they're not even making them in this case. It's a, it's a, you know, no. blender who's, you know, taking is already existing lots and doing this for the most part. And even if they were making a small percentage of this, I mean, what we're seeing right now is that bourbon distilleries are doing all kinds of crazy shit as we've been talking about, because like, as the market expands, you both need to offer new things to keep bringing in potential new customers. Cause yeah, someone who's heard about, Oh, well, bourbon's a hot thing, but like, I don't know if I like a hundred proof 
straight bourbon, but I might like, you know, bourbon with some additional flavors added in that are, you know, kind of complimentary or just something that is a, that is, yeah, meets people where they're at as drinkers. And like, that's what, you know, categories try to do all the time. It's the same thing tequila's doing. It's the same thing that vodka did in its heyday. What's, what's interesting to me is like that there is this kind of subset of people who are both really going wild for these like hyper flavored bourbons and also willing to spend a shitload of money on them. That is what I think is new because it's not like the, you know, it's not really like the the flavor like flavored vodka of a couple of decades ago, where it was like you know, right. generally very inexpensive. Maybe there were some very high end expressions of flavored vodka, but most of them were relatively affordable. But it's like here's some both like limited production, hot, very expensive, and also hyper flavored versions of the spirit that already has a robust um, like market for it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it makes sense to me that there should be bourbon for different occasions. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Come on. Um, so, so I think we, you know, we're, we're trying to explore a, as the category continues to see such success, how producers are, you know, figuring out what the future looks like for them to stay relevant. Also, because not every bourbon can be allocated, right? Like, no one's going to be able to drink this stuff. I know. And that's what keeps happening. I think people are going to have to be able to have things that are delicious on their bar that aren't that they can get. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's just it's it's insane. Like every yeah. And everything can't either be allocated or, oh, I got to buy this because it's about to be allocated. Like it's just there's going to have to be other things that people who enjoy the brown liquid, you know, can enjoy. And so I, I don't have any issues with this at all i think it's much i think it it allows the category to continue to grow and be interesting and not sort of one-dimensional like the only way that the category really has pushed itself prior to this was okay so we went okay let's go higher proof let's go barrel proof you know let's really push alcohol and alcohol level let's push age you know how much how old can we release it but that's really all that it's done. And especially with so many newer bourbon producers, this allows them to play earlier. Yes. Right? They, okay, so maybe, I mean, look, and again, I know that, the, you know, I don't mean to go back to Whistlepig as the answer, but this this is what Whistlepig did really early on, is mm-hmm. they were like, we're going to take, you know, rye that we buy from other people, but we're going to be expert finishers mm-hmm. of that rye. And a lot of this bourbon especially by some of these, you know, more indie craft producers is all coming from places like MGP where you have two choices, right? You either release it under your label and hope that no one realizes that that bourbon tastes pretty similar to someone else's bourbon because you bought barrels that were pretty similar in age and had the same wood and were from the same cooper and all that shit, right? Or you say, well, we're going to buy that bourbon, but then we're going to get really good at finishing it. Right. And that's how we're going to stand out. And, you know, you can have a whole legion of fans that way. So, again, like ingenuity, man, you, you got to be creative in this business or else, you know, it's really hard to stand out. So I don't have any issues with it at all. I want to ask you guys a, a question about that I think connects to actually both of these pieces and, and it's something I've been thinking about a lot. So, you know, Joanna, a minute ago you were like, oh, you know, you need to have product that everyone can buy. And I actually wonder if that's true. I wonder if outside of maybe the like very kind of core bourbon lines that we're talking that we are you know the brands that we're extremely familiar with because one thing that i've seen more and more lately is 
like so many different bars and establishments and retailers all touting their, you know, single barrel selection from distiller X, or, you know, we have a special run of that's only available to us from this distillery. And like, if you're kind of not paying attention to this across the industry, any individual consumer might walk into one of those bars or establishments and be like, oh, wow, that's really cool. You have a barrel from, you know, Woodford or from, um, you know, uh, Maker's Mark or wherever. But like, when you think about how many of these places are doing this and what it really kind of comes down to, which is basically like, you just go buy a barrel of bourbon and yeah, you do some barrel samples, but is the, are the, is the team of people that you're putting together to do that really better than the master distillers and blenders in these distilleries? Are they really picking out gems? Like, I'm kind of skeptical. So really what you're getting is a more expensive version of what is already readily available because Mm -hmm. someone can say it's a single barrel selection by, you know, our bar manager or whatever. I am very skeptical of this as something that's like a value add for consumers, but I totally get it from the perspective of both the distillers and the establishments, because again, it's it's a way to try and stand out. I just wonder if the market is already too saturated for any of this shit to really work. I think that those these two things that we're talking about are for different consumers. Mm-hmm. Like I think that there are a lot of brands that would never deign to do, you know, whistle pig aside, whatever, like wouldn't do a more dessert forward finished bourbon because bourbon people don't take that ser- a lot of bourbon people don't take that seriously. And and so then there are these other brands who gosh, I, I, the the name of the brand is slipping my mind right now, Zach from the piece, but they're like, we don't give a shit. <laughs> Basically, like, you should drink what you want. And if you like this, then great. And more people can drink it. Um, but I think that's those types of whiskeys are for different consumers who are less, for lack of a better word, snobby about the bourbon that they drink. Sure. But I, but I think but the snobs are the people who are most likely to notice the like presence of all these special bottlings that aren't all that special, right? Right. And no one cares about them. Like, but then who are these bottlings the for? They're uh, oh, the single barrel. Yeah, like who are they I trying to sell the these snobs. to? They're for the I, snobs. But but those people would notice that that seven bars in their in their city all have a single barrel from the same distillery. Like, is that make it special? I don't. I, I don't know. Maybe it does. I mean, look. I think if I think if you are a tater, yeah, like <laughs> yeah, you're going to convince yourself that there's nuances in each one of those barrels. Okay, right. and there is right. I mean. It, I, some point there is like it's not going to be completely homogenous right different things happen in different barrels sure so and there are also people who just collect right to collect right so yeah you are going to convince yourself i think you know and if you and and i don't know does did one is one bar more famous so therefore maybe were they did they get a better pick of the barrels than Mm -hmm. another bar i mean single barrels are popular amongst you know the collector for reason for a reason Right. Like people are people love barrel selects. Mm-hmm. Barrel picks are really, really popular. Um, and it, because it adds exclusivity and exclusivity adds value. Yep. And most of these people are collecting for value. So that's the thing that I would, you know, th- that's why I think that they're aware of it. But I think in terms of this category of what we're talking about, you know, like the the finished bourbons that are these stout, bur- you know, the, the the sort of pastry stout kind of bourbons. I don't care what they think. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that the general consumer should either. Like if they enjoy them, enjoy them. Who who cares? Well, it's like the the flavored spirits like that we talk about all the time. Yeah. Your your fireballs and your screwballs and things like that, like I don't care. Why not? So, with that, can now we taste some bourbon? I know I, I said it earlier, but Okay, yeah. But we have some interesting stuff here. What do we have? <laughs> well, 
Zach wanted to drink futury bourbon. Right. Um, and so bourbon that, that signifies the future. The future. <laughs> well, I have two things here, both innovations in their own right, I suppose. Yes. One is awry. <laughs> Unfortunately, it has a uh, it has this really interesting. <laughs> what is a rye? A char- <laughs> a- I love this. The, the first future of bourbon so is sorry. rye. I like it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> We're not trying that one, Joanna. Okay, but I want to tell you about it anyway. Yes, please. Because <laughs> I think it's really interesting. Um, it has a charred oak spiral in the bottle. Whoa! So it continues to have oak, and that's the idea that it's like it's being oh, finished it. while you. Have it on your shelf. Did Tim give you this? Yes. <laughs> he said it wasn't great. <laughs> and then I thought I'd grab an actual this one is good cool. bourbon. Yeah, so I can talk about this one. Please do. So this is Pinhook. And what Pinhook has been doing is they've been doing this one series called Bourbon War. And basically it the is vertical series. It's their vertical series. Mm-hmm. And every year they're releasing... 200 bottles from the same basically casks that are so aged longer right so first as a five-year then then they release a six-year then a seven-year right so the idea is you'll be able to do a vertical of the same liquid just aged for longer in okay. these barrels so that felt interesting to me because it's different it it's makes very it different. stand out right it's a cool thing it's a very cool thing so let's try that this one and what do you have zach so i have something that's both i think kind of like old and new at once so it's old in that like this thing happening to bourbon is not new um but it's i think represents the future in its own way which is the um jefferson's ocean uh bourbon uh so like casks that are that put out to sea mm-hmm. and and to me the reason why i think it's interesting is like i really like the bourbon i don't know that the like ocean aging really does much that i can tell to the bourbon and like makes a huge difference but it's like super popular and it gets people to buy it so cool you know that's a that's a selling yeah. point it tastes good. It's not a criticism of the bourbon. I just don't know that it's better than like some of the other stuff they don't put on a ship. Isn't it? It's hard to get, right? Uh, it has been. I think it's easier now that Pernod owns it. Okay. Because um, they've expanded the program, but it 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 has been um, harder to get. It has been harder to get. This smells nice. This is very nice. <laughs> I like Pinhook. <clears throat> Wait, I want the uh, where's the charred oak spiral? Come on, I want I want tasting notes on that. <laughs> We're not trying that. <sighs> it's bourbon. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is interesting with others in the series, maybe. Yes, but their bourbon is very good. Yes, it's good. I dig. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, before we go, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to remind you one last time about the Ray Martin cocktail competition because <laughs> it's your last chance. I just want you to know, last chance to meet me. Joanna, Keith, Zach's in Seattle, so you won't meet him because it's in New York City as <laughs> the finals, but in spirit and really learn, you know, really just come to New York and compete to represent the United States in France with your amazing sidecar cocktail riff. Yes. So look it up, y'all. And also Let's send, go. A, send us your thoughts on the future of bourbon. Yeah, send us your thoughts <laughs> on the future of bourbon, but I mean. But whew, also make a sidecar. There's so much possibility in bourbon. It's very exciting. I'll talk to you both on Monday. Have a great weekend. Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast, the flagship podcast of the Vine Pair Podcast Network. If you love listening to this show, or even if you don't, but I really hope that you do, as much as we really do love making it, then please drop us a review or a rating wherever it is that you get your podcast, whether that be iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, 
anywhere. If you are listening to this on a device right now, through an app, however you got this audio, please drop a review. It really helps everyone else discover the show. And now for some totally awesome credits. So the Vine Pair Podcast is recorded in our New York City headquarters and in Seattle, Washington, in Zach Jabal's basement. It is recorded by Zach, mastered and produced by Zach. He loves all the credit. Keep giving it to him. Drop his name in the reviews. He's going to love hearing how much you love him. It is also recorded in New York City by our tastings director, Keith Beavers, who is the managing director of the entire Vine Pair Podcast Network. I'd also love to give a shout out to our editor-in-chief, Joanna Sherino, who joins us on every single podcast as our third and most important host. Thank you as well to the entire VinePair staff and everyone who's been involved in making VinePair as special as it's become. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.